Good morning, Sun Valley Church, and welcome to The Voice of the Valley. I'm your host, Jeremy Pinch, and with me today I have Andy Nanome, and we're going to be continuing our historical profile series. Uh, last week, Dennis Smith spoke on Charles Simeon uh, and his pastorate in uh, England for 54 amazing years and how God used used him um, not only in the the life of the church then, but he still uses his life now uh, to encourage and uh, uh, equip the saints today. And so today uh, I have Andy, as I've already said, but we're going to be talking about someone different. He was an Englishman, right? Yeah. He was an Englishman, yeah. and uh, he has a pretty amazing story. Who we, who are we talking about today? Uh, Andy. I thought we'd talk about John Newton. John Newton. Yeah. John Newton. And how has John Newton left an impact on your life? You know, I think I think Newton is known by a lot of Christians, and he's indirectly known by a lot of non-Christians, hmm. right? Because every time you hear Amazing Grace, people, um, you know, people appreciate that song, and that song is used... You think about it, that song is used in funerals, mm-hmm. you know, for civil servants a lot of times on bagpipes of all interest, you know, instruments. You know, you hear that song, and and there's a lot of people who are not Christians who actually know the first verse of that song, but they really don't know the context of it. Sure. And even in in the Christian world, I think a lot of us, uh, aside from the hymn itself. Think about this miraculous conversion mm-hmm. of this, you know, mm-hmm. slave trader, um, corrupt slave trader, who uh, who found Christ, and yet I think one of the most fascinating things about him is his pastorate. Mm-hmm. That once he became a pastor, once he had decided, uh, had God moved him and called him to be a pastor, just how. Um, interesting and encouraging to me as pastor it really was yeah i think of i think of you know amazing grace um you know we sing it we sing it fairly regularly um but we just we just finished john chapter nine in the student ministries Mm. sunday seminar and Mm. it's the story of the blind man Mm -hmm. receiving sight through christ and that that line in amazing grace is coming straight out of of John nine, um, I was blind, but now I see. Yeah, uh, and what a what an amazing picture that is. Yeah, um, not only in John's John Newton's life, but in our life as well. Yep. So why why has John Newton been so impactful? Maybe not even in your life, but in the church's life. The I think the example of how God did take such a man and convert him, I think is a is a real gripping testimony about how God can take anybody mm-hmm. and transform them. And I think a lot of times that we're a little bit um, jaded by seeing people in their condition right now, Christian and non-Christian alike, and looking at them in their current condition and not appreciating what God can do in their life mm-hmm. ultimately. And so I think that um, I think that in and of itself, the example of him is is really encouraging. Um, Newton spent four decades 
preaching and living out the acknowledgement of that grace, that contrast of a dead man who had absolutely no use for God Mm -hmm. to a man who spent the rest of his life sharing the gospel with people. Um, And he exemplified election and just the doctrines of grace so well, totally depraved, right? He, when he was, he was being tossed around by the boat and he was fearing shipwreck, he cried out to God and he immediately caught himself and said, now, why would I do that? Mm. Why did I cry out to God? He even questioned himself Mm. um, and kind of knew right then that something was changing in his life. So totally depraved, um, unconditional election, you know, and that um, grace you know, that irresistible grace he just couldn't turn from and then spent the rest of his life relying on that grace and the image of Christ uh, in his perseverance. So he claimed that he probably really wasn't converted at that time, but he could look back at that moment and realize that the debauchery and the drunkenness and and the free living that he'd experienced at that time was uh, now, he was now being drawn out of that. So it really tells us that no one, no one is beyond um, being saved. And something else about Noonan, he was a, he was a really successful pastor for 40 some years. He was virtually untrained. Mm. Um, and the focus of his ministry was super simple. And it was all the unfathomable grace God administered to his people comes only through the perfect life and the sacrificial death of Christ. And so he pointed people to the person of Christ mm-hmm. consistently. Mm-hmm. Um, some people say that he really wasn't a theologian. His messages were way too simple to be impactful. Mm-hmm. And yet he started out in this church in Olney that was a very poor church, and a lot of the people were illiterate. And he simply shared the gospel with them Sunday after Sunday um, and reminded them of the person of Christ through Scripture. So it wasn't that he tried them to be Christ-like in his sermons, but he was constantly pointing them to a, to a person, mm. which I think a lot of times in our own Christian walk, we, I think a lot of times we are more concerned with being Christ-like than we are of really knowing the person, uh, person of Christ. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go a little off script here, Andy. I want to. I want to ask this question. So, um, John Newton was a man who understood the grace of God very well. It seems like. Mm-hmm. Um, so how would you how would you encourage somebody from John Newton's life who struggles with this this idea of grace? Like I'm I'm too I'm too f- far gone right. to experience the grace yeah, of God. Yeah, that's a great question. I think even that term grace, and I may be just speaking for myself, mm-hmm. but I think that idea of grace is something that we don't understand particularly well, right? And and um. I think we look at grace sometimes as something that's measured out to us, like it's a thing in and of itself that's dolloped out mm. to us, you know, 
we get this measure of grace today, that grace is a thing, but grace is all of God's riches, Mm. if we think about it. It's this overarching term for all that we receive from God through Christ, Mm. which is so vast. Newton used a lot of um, seafaring, because he was a sea captain, he used a lot of seafaring analogies, and he explained grace as this bottomless, shoreless sea Mm. of God's riches. Mm. And here's a guy who spent so much time on the ocean and the vastness of being out in the middle of the ocean and all you have is sky and sea to think about, no, this goes on, this shoreless, bottomless sea goes on forever and ever and ever. And all the riches that we've received through Christ, salvation, sure, forgiveness, Sure. Mercy? Sure. Providence? Sure. You know, what else? And these are things that we just, and Newton said this, we just see these things in a, in a, in a, uh, a teaspoonful when what we're really floating on is this vast, endless ocean mm. of God's grace that we haven't even fully experienced yet, mm. which is a pretty amazing analogy yeah. to think about. And so his idea is scripture was scripture shows us who Christ is and gives us a taste in every doctrine in scripture of what that grace really looks like. Mm-hmm. Isn't that beautiful yeah. to think about? Yeah, yeah that's, that's awesome. awesome. Yeah. yeah, yeah. What an amazing life. I mean, John Newton, this slave trader who becomes a pastor yeah. and just pours out grace from the pulpit. Yeah, it just pours it out. Yeah, let me read you this. Just this is just a this is just an example, I think, um, of his Christ-centeredness in his his ministry. And he says, he says, "Look under the Lord Jesus," and, and just think about this. Look under the Lord Jesus. Look unto Him as He hung naked, hmm. wounded, bleeding, dead, and forsaken upon the cross, and look unto Him again as he now reigns in glory, possessed of all the power in heaven and in earth, with thousands of thousands of saints and angels worshiping before him, and 10,000 times 10,000 ministering unto him. And then, this is the idea of grace, and then compare your sins with his blood, Hmm. your wants with his fullness, your unbelief with his faithfulness, your weakness with his strength, and you're in constancy with his everlasting love. Mm. I mean, if that doesn't draw you to worship Christ mm. for all that he is, I, you know, I don't know what will. Mm. Yeah. Wow. So what are, uh, what are some things from John Newton's life that you've uh, um, learned uh, through his strengths and from his weaknesses? Well, again, I think we need to look at Newton's strengths as, as this really remarkable manifestation of the Holy Spirit in his life. We always, we always need to remember that because Newton would still be a slave trader, mm. right? He would still be uh, reveling in debauchery. He, he, was, he was known as one who encouraged his men on his ship to be as, as um, cruel to slaves that they had taken and they did just just unmentionable things to him. And yet 
he's been described as the friendliest, humblest, wisest, least pushy of all the uh, 18th century evangelical leaders. Mm. Isn't that amazing mm. to think about that? So God in his grace brought this amazing humility to this man, mm. um, which I, I just, I admire so much because I'm not a particularly humble guy. And, and I think I look at him and, and I think that if, if God, if God can do that in this particular man, there's hope for me, <laughs> there's hope for me. And he's, he's a guy who, who again, he was an avowed Calvinist, but he didn't really wear his Calvinism on his sleeve, right? He understood the doctrines of grace so well from scripture and from his own life. And yet, um, it wasn't something that he was very dogmatic about to every person that he met. When he applied for churches, uh, church positions, he applied with every denomination. He just wanted to pastor a church. Um, and as we just mentioned before we went on tape, he, he, he referred to the gospel as a tea that everyone should drink. But Calvinism was the sugar hmm. for the tea that sweetens salvation. Um, and he was just known to get along with so many people, yet at the same time was um, never backed down from his convictions. So um, compassionate, friendly, and yet uh, very avowed in, in what he believed. Um, another one of his great strengths, and we'll talk about this as we kind of segue in this book that I'm reading about him right now, was his one-on-one -on -one discipleship was really incredible and he he people um, criticized him because he probably didn't spend that much time in the pastor in the in the pulpit spend that much time on his sermons but he spent so much time with his people mm. and when he wasn't with them one-on-one -on -one, he was writing letters and he wrote thousands of encouraging letters encouraging exhorting edifying letters to people. And he's known probably more for his letters, his personal letters than anything else. In fact, his autobiography is not a autobiography that he sat down and wrote. It was a group of letters that he wrote to a friend of his to explain huh. his life. And then they, they came back and compiled those letters into a book. Okay. And so his, his letters survive him in volumes and volumes uh, of books and just segments of them are just so beautiful. And of course I haven't read them all, but how he, um, um, with a great degree of compassion and mercy, um, understanding that people are where they are right now. I don't know in their Christian walk where they're going to be eventually. Yeah. Um, he could look at that and say, okay, I just need to keep feeding the idea of who Christ is to them and what their um, and what grace really is. So I think the take-home message there is um, in shepherding. I think again, if I had if I had uh, the last nine years back in leadership here in this church, I would like to spend much more time of that having people focus on the person of Christ in Scripture. Mm -hmm. And then that changing them into Christ-likeness mm -hmm. rather than focusing on the Christ-likeness of people and trying to get them to do that. Mm. Yeah. And Newton was just awesome in it in a one-on-one -on -one, uh, basis. Mm.
So what, uh, why is, why is learning church history, um, important to you? Cause it may not be important to other people, you know, history and history in general, we talked about this last podcast is, you know, history, history can be boring to people. It can be, you know, just a set of dates and people who are, who are dead and, don't matter anymore. But why why is it important to you that you study or remember church history? Well, I think the easy answer to that is it's generations before us have made so many mistakes <laughs> that we don't want to reinvent the the wheel. And so we need to learn from the mistakes. We're gonna make enough mistakes on our own. Yeah. <laughs> that yeah. haven't been made in history. Why should we repeat the ones that have been made? Yeah. So I think that's I think that's pretty important, um, but I think history is God's history, right? It's not human history, other than God created us, yeah. and then it has been His history as He's guided man through that, and so history has just been this cycle of of God's mercy and grace, especially in the church. Um, as the church has struggled through so many things. And, and I think that's really encouraging. That's super encouraging to see. And then we see in, individuals like Newton um, and how God has worked in his life that can be so encouraging to people who are struggling in a lot of areas. And I think also, and, and Pastor John Schubert has mentioned this, you know, we may not all have all the mentors or all the people around us to disciple us, Yet we have so many people through church history, through their written word, that are still willing to disciple us. Mm-hmm. And I got to tell you, I got to tell you through this book that I'm reading right now, Newton has pastored me so much mm-hmm. in the last couple of months mm-hmm. as I've really battled through um, a few things and just really spoken to me about focusing on Christ. Mm-hmm. And... Um, that in and of itself is to just be taught um, by the divines, mm-hmm. um, great men of the past, is is really important. Mm. Yeah, so I, I I think the point of why we're doing these these historical profiles for the next couple of weeks is not simply just to see these guys and say, "Wow, they're they're great men," which they were. You sure. know, God God used them mightily for for the advancement of the gospel and whatnot. Um, but we also want to see um, their mistakes, yep. where they where they failed, yeah, for uh, sure. where we can learn. Uh, but not not just to see, you know, how they were good and, you know, how they failed, but, you know, what drove them, yep. and that was Christ. And yeah. I, you've, you've mentioned that a few times as um, Newton was always pointing people to the person of Christ. Yeah, he, he had this great line that he used to, to write in many of his letters to people who struggled with pride. And he would say, I, I would endeavor you to see, um, to see less of yourself. <laughs> he would say, I would endeavor you to see less of yourself and look unto Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, and don't all we need, I mean, all of us need that, yeah. right? All of us need to think about that more. Yeah, yeah. When I, when we look to Christ, it's it's a humbling point. Mm. We see, as Newton, as you mentioned in the book, as he said, that we see the naked Savior hanging there. Yeah. yeah. So, 
you're reading a book. Uh, what's what's this book that you would recommend for uh, for uh, the people to read on the life of John Newton? Well, this is a book that actually Tim Scott and I are going through right now. Okay. Um, and Tim suggested it, and um, boy, I'm glad he did. And this is um, Tony Ranke's Newton on the Christian Life to Live as Christ. And many of you know Tony Ranke is John Piper's kind of right-hand man and the asked Pastor John um, podcast. He's a really, he's really a good author. I've really enjoyed it. And this is, this is one of um, the many out of the Crossway series that's edited by Stephen Nichols and Justin Taylor on theologians on the Christian life. Um, and it doesn't, they're not necessarily so much biographies as they are about um, how men uh, in their churches focused on Christ mm. uh, in their lives and for the people in their churches. Mm. And it's, it's been a great encouragement, both Tim and I. Um, yeah. yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, I've read one book from that series, and it was on uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. That was a that was a neat book. Yeah, I really I, enjoyed it. I think um, Michael Horton did one on Calvin that I think yeah. is going to be the next one yeah. that I read yeah. on this. Cool. Yeah. yeah, cool. Well, thanks, Andy, uh, for the insight into John Newton's life. Um, that's such an encouragement to be reminded of the grace that could be seen in our lives. How Christ Christ uh, came and died and hung on the tree and rose again for us and to be reminded of that. So thank you for that. Uh, We love you, church. We look forward to being with you on Sunday and next week as we continue this historical profile series with Pastor John Schubert as he talks about Jim Elliott. We look forward to Sunday, and we look forward to being with you next week. Have a great day.